Blog Talk Radio. Yep, the few, the proud, the Marines. 
Good evening and welcome to another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. I have had one too many triple vente white chocolate mochas from my favorite Starbucks on the corner. Give you, give you a big shout out on the corner of Union and King Street here in Old Town, Alexandria. Well, today's date is September 25th, 2012, Old Town, Alexandria, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I see a lot of my favorite folks are in the room tonight. <laughs> 2020 Radio's in the house, already made his mark tonight. Uh, missed his show last night. I'm really sorry about that. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what the hell was going on. I didn't even watch the football game last night. I don't know what's going on with me these days. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, I've got 38, 38, count them, fantasy football teams, and for some reason I just can't get into it. Um, I don't, I'm, in a, I'm in a rut. I don't know what's happening. But I've got to find a way to get into it. Karen's in the house. Casanova Frankenstein, DCS, Evil Clown, DDT183, and a whole host of my other great friends. Those I've uh, bribed and cajoled. And I've got video of most of you guys in compromising positions. John Galt is in the house. Karen Hunter, Marine Times, Ned King, Southern Sense, my girl. Wow, what a great show today. And once again, a coup. She uh, she got... Uh, you know, the uh, the uh, the author of uh, uh, 2016, Obama's America, the the guy who created the film, Denise, she's got him. She got him on a sh- on her show. I continue to be amazed by how well her show is produced and how she's able to get these fantastic, wonderful guests. Who's next? Is she going to have Mitt Romney on? Paul Ryan? Who's next? Newt? My goodness. The the Dalai Lama? Well, I guess you're kind of going to have to tune in to, to uh, Southern Sense's show coming up this uh, uh, this Friday uh, and uh, and and find out. Well, I no no, I think she's got a show uh, before Friday, but I know that I'll be at the I'll be tuning into the show on Friday at uh, 2 p.m. So you be there as well, and of course you know my main man Southern uh, GDT 183 is back. You know, I went to his page on Blog Talk Radio and noticed that the one of the latest shows was somewhere back in July. Come on. And I listened to it. You know, I listened to it just a couple of days ago, and I'm wondering, well, what happened to GGT 183? You know, where's my guy? Where's Sarge? Where's uh, Cool Mike? But finally, they're back tonight at 1130. Be there or be square. I'll try to be there, but usually I am square because I, I can't seem to stay awake. I'm up at 4.30 every single morning, and I try to stay awake for as long as I can, but sometimes I just get conked out. So we've got G-Ski G Rocks. Yeah, great show. Uh, let's see. Hey, dog. Okay, I got it. Got it. Hanging out on Skype. Got it. Got it. You know what? Here's the deal. My my internet, my internet crapped out just five minutes before showtime. Now a lot of you know that our shows are produced using the internet, and uh, it crapped out. Everything just went dark for about five minutes, and I'm sitting there wondering well, what the hell is going on. So, and I started to sweat. I started to break out into a sweat, and I'm like, okay, it's just five minutes to showtime. This cannot be happening. So I get underneath the desk where I've got the internet uh, box and the router and all that. I disconnect the internet uh, the box there, disconnect the router, wait about 10 excruciating seconds, plug the box back up, then wait for all the lights to come on for what seemed like 10 minutes, and I've only got five minutes till showtime. Finally, the lights flicker on, connect the router, sit up, and wait for what seems like forever. With just three minutes left until showtime, bam, everything comes back to life all over again. So, without further ado, here we go. You know, when you've been a part of the government and the military establishment as long as I have, seeing the Oval Office vacant is nothing new. It's nothing new to Americans. In fact, I personally saw an empty 
I saw the White House empty one day in 1984 as a White House guest during the the tenure of my main man, Ronald Reagan. But today, the world burns as the president campaigns, hangs out with the view, the pimp with the limp, and that awesome picture of the president sitting in the White House with some dude who is dressed like a pirate. The decline of the Roman Empire was not due to the lack of military prowess. No. But moral vacuity and an aptitude, an aptitude at the helm of leadership, where power was a raison de vue, with dependency by the masses, the way to keep it. Does that sound familiar? The Roman Empire de jure appealed to the the more easily excited by populist notions and empty promises through taxpayer gifts and donations to sustain its popularity. Does that sound familiar? Today, while U.S. embassies are in crisis mode, while the world is burning, while the Middle East is on the verge of war, while U.S. universities are threatened with bombs, the president campaigns. The president campaigns. A new report claims the State Department was given a 48-hour notice, a 48-hour advance warning to the attacks in Egypt. The results? Four Americans are dead. Sadly, it appears Clint Eastwood was correct in his impromptu speech at the Republican National Convention. No one was manning the Oval Office. It has been and remains empty. Apparently for the last 18 months. Ostensibly, if Mr. Obama cannot campaign for his next term, then he cannot fix the problems. So while the world burns, the campaigner-in-chief wages war on Republicans. President Obama hasn't attended an intelligence briefing since September 5th. The White House says the president doesn't need intel briefings. What's going on, folks? Is this how the parties run? Is this how is this how the game is played? And what about you folks who are well firmly in the Obama camp? Are you embarrassed? Are you embarrassed that the president of the United States is sitting between a bunch of old sows and one hot chick at the end, Elizabeth Hasselbeck? Is it? Do you not find it amazing that the one hot chick on The View happens to be a conservative? And what about Whoopi Goldberg? What is up with that garb she wears? It's like a uniform. She has got to be arguably the ugliest woman on the face of the earth. I've always thought so. She looks like the Grinch. A black version of the Grinch that stole Christmas. But, name-calling aside... The president chills with the girls on The View. While just four blocks down the road, world leaders are meeting, discussing world events, discussing weighty subjects of the day, managing the world. While Obama, well, his camp is saying, hey, (laughs) he's just a phone call away. Yo, call me. I'm too busy right now. I'm too busy to hang out with you world leaders and be presidential. I've got to sit here with these sows from The View and answer stupid softball questions. Boxers or briefs. Who's your favorite disc jockey? Well, that's easy. The pimp with the limp. 
while on the other side of town, well, just a few blocks away, Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad is using <laughs> using a convenient UN platform to vent his threats to eliminate Israel. But you wouldn't know that by reading the Washington Post's coverage. In its September 25th edition, the Post runs an egregiously benign article about the Iranian leader with a six-column headline that captures the flavor of correspondent Ann Grinian's spin. Her spin is, quote, Iranian president accuses Israel of threatening the U.S. Now, I happen to know some folks at the Washington Post. Yes, I do. Names will be unmentioned. And I get the idea that they are not quite pro-Israel. I don't know why. I just get that sense. I don't know. Now, Green Beasley is in the house. You know I'm right. I'm not going to argue because deep in your heart, you know right from wrong. I wonder what Green Beasley is talking about. I think I, I like the name. Green Beasley. Let's see what Green Beasley has to say. Ask yourself if we're better off than we were four years prior. I would say, uh, Green Beasley asked a question. Ask yourself if we're better off now four, than four years ago. I would say, no, we're not better off than we were. We're not better off. And the reason why I say we're not better off is for a lot of reasons. But a lot of those reasons are, they go deeper than the surface. That whole four million jobs created, you know, it's a sham. <laughs> you, you know, um, we're being threatened with another downgrade. That's never happened to the U.S. ever. There's got to be a reason for that. Never in the history of this great country, since records have been kept, has the U.S. been threatened, its AAA rating been threatened with a downgrade. Are we better off? $16 trillion in debt. Obama has put us in $5 trillion all by himself, more than every other previous president combined. That is a fact. Are we better off? I don't think so. Now, there are many reasons to suggest that we're not, and very few to suggest that we are. But let's get back to the Washington Post for a moment. Grinian Idemajad Apologia focuses almost entirely on his attempts to paint Israel as the villain, while ignoring Iran's ongoing genocidal threats against the Jewish state. And Obama... Today, he issued a very tepid response, as usual. A very tepid response. In the meantime, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll come right back, and then we'll talk some more about, uh, well, well, it appears that, uh, that uh, Greeny has... Uh, has excited the chat room. Green Beasley. Ah, crazy. Well, indeed, uh, Karen in the chat room also says that uh, Obama's better off. Hey, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure about that either. But, hey, we're going to take a short break. Romney and Obama are in a dead heat, folks. So why do the media think Obama's winning? Why? Why does Obama Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does Obama get such a pass? Well, my guys over at PJTV are going to answer that question. So let's just take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the C Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C Robert Jones. Hopefully PJ Media will be able to explain this all to you. Romney and Obama are in a dead heat. All over, all across the country. So, 
But the media is saying that oh, that Romney's done. And even some of my friends over at the Post have stated that, uh, well, uh, Obama's, uh, that Romney's campaign has imploded. That uh, Romney's campaign is on uh, on the brink of disaster. Why is that? Well, we're going to find out in just a minute. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Be right back. Four, three, two, one. Hit it. What's in my people? What's in my peeps? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of You Guessed It, You Got It. And that's how we do it, live and direct with G-Ski Rocks and the captain. What's crack a lacking? What's crack a lacking? I'll tell you what's crack a lacking. Cheesy. What's the crack a lacking, baby? What's cracking? Well, as cracking, man, is everybody else, but everybody seems to love your style, brother. What's cracking? Cheesy, you are the man. You are the man, dude. I tell you what, I love this topic. I love it. I wish I thought of it myself. I'm jealous. I got envy. I got envy right now. What's crack a lacking, Dana? My brother from another mother. How are we, sir? <laughs> What's cracking, sister? What's crackalacking? What's crackalacking? What do you got to say, ma'am? I just got to say, awesome show. Just totally awesome. That's right, folks. We keep it crackalacking, and we do it for love of country. So make sure that you listen to Live and Direct with Disney Rocks and the Captain every Monday and Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. www.20-20radio.com. Always crackalacking, and it's always served with bacon and gravy, baby. Bacon and gravy. Out of respect, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize without him doing anything, and he took it. He changed health care for millions of Americans, even though they liked what they had. He says he will tell Iran to quit making nukes, and they will stop, because he is just that good. To him, the Supreme Court is nothing but an unelected group of people. You want president? He is the president. He picked Joe Biden to be his vice president just to show that he doesn't really need one. He wants us to believe no one else in America would have made the Bin Laden call. He is the most arrogant man in the world. (laughs) I ultimately get what I want. Stay ignorant, my friends. Is Mitt Romney's campaign in trouble? The president would like you to think so. The pollsters and the poll spinsters would like you to believe it. And a growing chorus of establishment Republicans are singing the doleful dirge, demanding that Romney shake up his campaign. But what if Romney actually knows what he's doing? I'm PJTV Scott Ott, joined now by Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. Well, men, if you believe what you read and watch, you'd think that Mitt Romney is trailing by roughly 107 points after the conventions and that his campaign is so hopelessly broken it can't possibly recover. CBS reporter Scott Pelley actually reminded Romney that he has a reputation as a turnaround artist and then asked this question. You're the CEO of this campaign. A lot of Republicans would like to know, a lot of your donors would like to know, how do you turn this thing around? You've got a little more than six weeks. What do you do? Well, it doesn't need a turnaround. We've got a campaign which is tied with an incumbent president of the United States. Now, Bill Whittle, some think that Romney is just whistling past the graveyard or maybe lying. What do you think of his assessment of the state of affairs of his campaign right now? Well, first of all, I'd like to comment on that 60 Minutes thing, because it sounds like, whether through osmosis or not, Mitt Romney's been paying attention to our our late departed friend, Andrew Breitbart. The dog whistle in that, the no-win framing of that question. When did you stop beating your your wife, Mr. Romney? Are you going to turn this campaign around, or are you going to let it continue to go on into into utter, utter failure and just go ahead and concede it now? 
he, he should have just rolled down the window on the airplane and chucked that man right overboard and, and let him fall where he may. And, and he's rich enough to pay whatever damages for whatever car that, gave, that guy may have landed on. Honestly, just think about the nerve of that, the audacity. Mitt Romney is right. He is, by, by polls that are weighted overwhelmingly towards the Democrats, he is in a dead heat with the sitting incumbent president of the United States, Ronald Reagan was down by seven or eight points all the way through October to Jimmy Carter, whom he demolished. So just let me just say what, what Steve Cruiser said on one of these things. This is voter suppression on the part of the mainstream media. They are putting a wall out there to say the election is over. Obama's already won. No sense in coming out. Certainly no sense in writing a check. And, and Bill's right, by the way, the, the only poll that really mattered back then, they, we didn't have all the kind of polling that we have now uh, back in 1980, but the Gallup poll had Reagan down by eight among registered voters and down by three among likely voters a week before the election, and Reagan won by 10. So there's quite a swing there. Um, Steve, Dick Morris and others argue that almost all of the polls today are wrong because they oversample Democrats, they focus on registered rather than likely voters, and they assume that the turnout will mirror 2008, the Obama ascension year, rather than 2004 or something in between. But admit Romney is anything. He's a data-crunching machine when it comes to strategy. What does he know that the pundits and pollsters don't know or don't want us to know? Well, you can't really sell yourself as a data-crunching machine as, as a candidate that might help you run a good campaign. And I think he's running a, a competent campaign. The problem is, I'm glad Bill mentioned Jimmy Carter. We're up against you know, Jimmy Carter II here, and so we're expecting to find Ronald Reagan running up against him. Mitt Romney is not Ronald Reagan. Look, uh, I just blogged about this earlier today at Vodka Pundit. Reagan went through a years-long process, and if you read the book of his collected letters, you know what a rigorous intellectual process this was, moving Absolutely. from Hollywood left to hard conservative right. And he internalized this process, which is why it was so easy for him to sell conservatives to everybody else or sell conservatism to everybody else, because he had gone through the process. He knew deep in his soul what it was and what it meant. That's not Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney was raised to be a decent, hardworking Mormon fellow, and he is still a decent, hardworking Mormon fellow. That is how he should sell himself to the electorate. That is, I think, how he's selling himself to the electorate. It's not flashy. It's not this huge, sunny thing that Reagan had, but he's not Reagan. He's Romney, and if I could paraphrase, let's... Uh, Let's let Romney be Romney. That Reagan in his own handbook, by the way, is in my Kindle about two-thirds read through, and it's a terrific daily devotional for conservatives. Uh, Bill, a friend of mine says that a lot of Republicans seem to suffer from a form of PTSD after years of seeing their candidates traumatically crushed. How important is attitude to momentum? And what can we do to keep ours positive so we can do the job that needs to be done in these final weeks? Years of seeing our candidates dramatically crushed. I, if I look back to World War II, I see mostly Republican presidents and not Democratic ones. I see a country that is infinitely more conservative than it was during the 1960s and 70s when these animals were having sex in the mud out on the side of the hill. So I don't, uh, I don't see this whole thing. I reject the entire premise. And I'll tell you something else, too. Of all the great speeches in literature, you're going to have to search a long time to beat the Henry V speech uh, that, that Shakespeare wrote about uh, King Henry on the on the field of Agincourt the day before the battle, or moments before the battle, I suppose, greatly outnumbered. What does he really do there? What's what is it that King Henry first does there? He says to those people who are gathering for the fight, who who look out and see those large numbers. We're not down, by the way, but let's say that we were. The first thing he says is, those of you that do not have stomach for this fight, get on a boat and go home. I will pay your way. We do not want to fight in your company. The last thing that brave men need brave men and women need are people on your own side telling you it's all over. Game over, man. Game over. It's all over. We're done. We no. Go away. If you can't be quiet, then go away. If you don't have the strength for this fight and the stomach for this fight, then go home and we will pay your passage. Leave us alone. The victory will be that much greater without you and that much more likely without you. The trains and boats are loading in five minutes. Steve, uh, Mitt Romney was one of the pioneer politicians in the use of micro-targeting, which is matching the message to the individual voter. Now, we professional pundits, however, tend to focus on the megatrends, the big gaffes, the 24-7 media regurgitation cycle. How can our viewers read between the lines of the media narrative, or should they simply ignore it? 
Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of Firefly right now. Well, Serenity, the, the, the movie, the, uh, the, the can't stop the signal. Because once the information is out there, it's out there. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, the, the, the trouble is getting it out there when the other side owns most of the airwaves and, and they set the narrative. So, Scott, you don't ignore the narrative. You fight the narrative. You, you punch it right in the mouth. The boy did I, I clean that up from what I wanted to say. You, you, you get all Breitbart on the narrative. And that, that's not just your job or, or Bill's job or, or my job. That's everybody's job. So get out there, go, be Breitbart, start the signal. All right, welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Now, if you get your news from the mainstream media, you probably think that Obama is clobbering, ass-whooping, booting-butt former Governor Romney in the polls, whooping him, whooping him bad. Why is the media calling this race for Obama? Are journalists relying on the polls that oversample Democrats? That's been proven? Well... There's the question. It's out there. I talked to a good friend earlier today, a black person, by the way, who is a conservative. Yes, we are out there, folks. Who says that she voted for Barack Obama based on hope and change. But she's come to discover that Obama doesn't speak to her values. Values that, uh, well... Uh, murdering unborn babies, for one, that's one she cited, and the issue of gay marriage. She stated that those are just two reasons why she doesn't plan to vote for Obama this time around, but she's concerned that Romney, that his, she's concerned that Romney's campaign is failing, that Romney isn't doing the job, that Romney's campaign is tippet at best, and that also, she stated that she believes that it's too late. Of course, I vigorously disagreed with her, stating that Romney is peaking at just the right time. She stated that folks don't really know who Romney is and that he hasn't connected with the American people, with the down-home American people. I suggested that Mitt Romney's been all over the place talking about his virtues and what he... Well, what he believes uh, America should really be all about, but a lot of folks haven't been paying attention. And I cite a last night's show when my main man, Howard Stern, had one of his operatives go out and ask very simple questions of everyday people on the street. Questions like, um, what do you think of Barack Obama's running mate, Paul Ryan? Do you think that Paul Ryan being black is going to hurt the Obama ticket? <laughs> Folks said, no, I don't think Paul Ryan being black is going to hurt the, the Obama ticket. They're all for it. <laughs> Questions like that. Now, according to popular legend, the infamous Roman emperor Nero played the fiddle. In that time, it was called the lie. L-Y-R-E. While a massive fire consumed several districts of Rome in 64 CE. And yesterday, in the midst of our current economic recession, President Obama partied on with the girls from The View. Now, don't take this as a petty partisan swipe. Barack Obama surely deserves some off time, right? With all the world leaders in town and having to meet with... Oh, no, he's not meeting with any of those folks, is he? Well, let's take a call. We've got a call from G-Ski Rocks from 2020 Radio Network. G-Ski, what's up, man? What's cracking, Doc? How you doing? There you go. How you doing, man? Man, Good I'm chilling. Talk yeah, chilling on the cylinder. Good to talk to you, too. I ain't called in your show in a long time. Um, I, I originally called in because uh, I, I wanted to address the jack wagon that was in the room, the uh, keyboard coward, uh, Green oh. Beasley, mm -hmm. but bounced. He oh, bounced. Green is gone? Yeah, he bounced. He knew what the deal was. Oh, but, you know, I, I am so tired. You know, you were talking about how the media is lying, you know, in, in, in their polling. They're they're sampling more Democrats than than Republicans and independents yeah. and all this other stuff. Man, it, it 
it blows my mind because there are conservatives that are now frustrated because they think that Romney has fell so far behind. This dude is he's whooping Obama's butt. He sure is, and and as was pointed out on PJ uh, PJ uh, Media News, that I ju- a clip that I just played from PJ Media. If you don't get it, get it. Um, if you don't got it, get it. Uh, if you don't have it, get it. Uh, what they pointed out correctly so was that Ronald Reagan was much further behind in, in the race with Jimmy Carter overall uh, than than Romney is with uh, with this uh, with this president. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's almost a feint accompli that Romney's going to win, barring something unforeseen happening. But you know what, Jiski, the story will be told uh, next week when I believe the debates begin at that time. Is that correct? Uh, I I think so. I, I think the first presidential debate is October third. Mm-hmm. 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 And uh, I am looking forward. To the ass whooping that Obama's going to get, I don't think Romney could mess it up. I, I don't, he, he, yeah, he can't. He can't because Obama doesn't doesn't talk in specifics, and Romney will. Um, he'll come up. He'll 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 he go with the he'll go with the usual talking points about creating four and a half million jobs and all that. But uh, I think it's going to be uh, a, an ass whooping of monumental proportions. Yeah, I, I mean, he'll try the 4.3 million jobs things, but all that is is fuzzy math. If you if you're not going to include the people that are dropped out of the labor force and you know people that are unemployed, then sure it makes it look good. But you look at the real numbers, and it is what it is. And and yeah. also yeah. you got to think about how much you know since he's been president, how much they've distorted. The jobs numbers. I've never seen so much deception in an administration, as far as the jobs are concerned, than this administration. Remember when they when they put forth stimulus, they uh, uh, anybody who took money for whatever reasons, it was considered a job created. Here yeah. in Georgia, yeah. yeah, here in Georgia, there was a trucking company. It was a, a a trucking instruction school, and they got money from the stimulus to buy trucks, and the students. This is not a job placement type joint. They just train you how to drive trucks. They don't yeah. do a job afterwards. But the number of students that were in the class were considered jobs created. Wow. <laughs> you know, um, when, I, when I spoke to my, my good friend today, she um, she said that uh, that she plans to vote for Romney, but she'll be holding her nose doing so. Uh, and that, uh, and then, and I'll reiterate, she voted for Obama last time around. She says that folks don't know who Romney is. She's afraid that he has fallen behind in getting his message out and connecting with ordinary people. What do you think about that? I can see that in a way. Now, you, you said your friend was black, right? Yes, yes, indeed. I can see that in a way because it's. It's hard for anybody that claims to be a Republican to kind of connect with black folks, unless you're educated black folks like we are, people that do research, do their homework and stuff like that. The rest of them, they don't even care. They just know that Republicans are bad. Republicans hate black people, so it's hard for them to connect. And then you know, there are some black conservatives that don't do their homework. They, yeah. understand, they understand who they are. But they don't do their homework. So, yeah, it seems like Romney's he, – he just can't – I understand the dude. And as a matter of fact, I want to be like the dude. Yeah. But not, yeah. Not, not politically. I would love to pick his brain as far as business. The dude is brilliant. And no if no doubt. No, no doubt. Uh, no doubt, uh, G-Ski. Let me let, – he, he is a brilliant businessman, but he's also – a really decent person, as was pointed out during the convention, you know, and I think that the convention allowed a, a great many of us to get to know who Mitt Romney is on a, on a personal level. There were a couple of really uh, uh, tear jerking moments there, very heartfelt uh, moments where he 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 made uh, 
you know, it, where where he uh, he connected. I think he connected with people, you know, fairly well. But um, you know, there are those who are suggesting that he become a lot more aggressive with regard to the campaign, and that his campaign has been, you know, he's been the guy throughout, and he needs to get down and dirty with Obama. What do you think? I think they're right. I think what he needs to do is what he did to uh, Newt Gingrich. And, you know, I, I hate to admit, but now looking back at things, uh, you were right the whole entire time, and um, I'm now admitting that now. You, you've been on the Romney train since the beginning. I couldn't see it. I see it now, and I'm admitting on your show that you were right, and I was wrong. I've now come into the fold but I mean, I'm 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 still I'm still uh, a little concerned politically because he's a little wishy-washy when it comes yeah. to politics. I mean, but the dude's sharp. Uh, he he's sharp. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And we know that the dude can get down with the get down because he got down on Newt Gingrich. As as sad as it was, you know, because I hate <laughs> Newt get beat down like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just got a I just got a text from uh, from a good friend of mine. Uh, about the tear jerking <laughs> moments uh, comment that I just threw out there. I mean, when you when you've got a situation where Mitt Romney's sitting down with a small boy, and he's not he's got no cameras following him, he's got he's got no publicity for this event, uh, and he is helping the, the little boy write out his will, and spending as much time with he, with him as he did. Uh, that was a tear jerking moment. That was a, a very honest moment where we did – I mean, we did – how many of us knew about this before the convention? Not many. I mean, I, I didn't know about it because it wasn't something that he sought publicity for. A, fam, a, a couple walked up and got on the podium, and they spoke to this issue, and I, that was the first time I was hearing about it, and it was very moving for me. It, it was it was moving for me, too. I I, I I tried not to cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I but uh, yeah, it was it was really moving and and like like you had indicated. I mean, he didn't get publicity for this. You know, he didn't yeah. want any kudos or nothing like that. This was something that he did on his own time, his own dime, and everything else like that. And that woman, she came out to speak on the behalf of somebody who she considered a very, very, very close friend. And you got to put some stock in that. Yeah, you've got to. Uh, we know who Mitt Romney is. We know what he's all about. He he said, you know, and I believe when he said that 47% of the American population or the, the voting population will vote for Obama no matter what, he was absolutely right about that. Uh, a lot of folks were saying that this was a moment, um, a gaffe, a monumental era. This was a monumental era on his part and that his campaign was imploding and that he was in free fall when in actuality – he was exactly right. He got the numbers mixed up just a teeny weeny little bit, but he was exactly right. You know, folks are going to vote for Obama. There are folks who are going to vote for him no matter what. There are folks who are going to vote for him simply because he's black. There are folks who are going to vote for him because he's offering free stuff or stuff that they think is free. Think is free. Yep, you got yep. it exactly yep. right. Stuff All right. Right. Well, anything more to add, G Ski, before we take before we uh, move on to our next segment? Oh no, I'm good. You can put me on mute. Uh, I had my say though, but you know, like I said, unfortunately, Green Beasley bounced, and that's what I really wanted to address. Got it, got it. Hey, you're quite welcome. That's G Ski Rocks from 2020 Radio. His show comes on right after mine. Um, uh, Wait, 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 wait. G Ski, uh, if you if you're still there, announce your show, please, and the dates that it's on. So we can. Uh... It's, a, it's live and direct with GC Rocks and the Captain. It's Monday and Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. All right. Thank you. Be there, be square, folks. He has a, His show is fantastic. It's continually in the top 30, if not the top 15 of all uh, conservative blog talk radio shows. And, and it's one of the best shows out there. If you really want uh, information, if you want humor, if you want to learn something, if you want to get stuff that you haven't gotten from the mainstream media the, on on the day that the media presents its uh, homage, its uh, 
hail to the the God who is Barack Hussein Obama, the one, the, well, the campaigner-in-chief. Think about this, folks. Think about it just for a minute. After Barack Obama's disastrous Univision appearance last week and gaff-tastic 60 Minutes interview on Sunday night, Obama sealed the deal with a trifecta of failed appearances today with a deeply offensive speech before the entire world at the United Nations. Talk about an implosion. In a speech Obama framed as a tribute to Chris Stevens, our murdered Libyan ambassador, the only mention the president made of the appalling and preventable security failures that left our ambassador, consulate, and three other Americans so vulnerable was this bizarre and heartless passage. And I quote, But the attacks of the last two weeks are not simply an assault on America. They're also an assault on the very ideals upon which the United Nations was founded. And the notion that people can resolve their differences peacefully. That diplomacy can take the place of war. And that in an intrepidant world, I haven't used that word ever until now, all of us have a stake in working toward greater opportunity and security for our citizens. Really? Dude, four people were killed with four, with, 40, with, with 48 hours advance notice. Is this how you play, pay tribute to Chris Stevens? If we're serious about upholding these ideals, it will not be enough to put more guards in front of an embassy or put out statements of regret and wait for the outrage to pass. If we're serious about those ideals, we must speak honestly about the deeper causes of this crisis. Because we face a choice between the forces that would drive us apart and the hopes we hold in common. So, yeah, it's all just noise to this clown. Okay, just putting, you just gotta, you know, don't put any guards out in front of the embassy because that might hurt somebody's feelings. He went on to say, today we must affirm that our future will be determined by people like Chris Stevens. Not if you keep getting them killed, dude. Not if you don't put the appropriate guards and don't protect them. The future will not be determined by people like Chris Stevens because Chris Stevens is dead. And quite frankly, Mr. President, I hold you responsible for Chris Stevens' death. You should be on your hands and knees begging Chris Stevens' family for forgiveness, for not doing your damn job, hanging out on the golf course, praising Allah every chance you got, and do your damn job. Because it was you, Mr. President, who said that you were going to usher in a new way of being and that the world was so much more safer because you're the President of the United States just because you say so. President Obama, you are the man responsible for the death of Stevens and the other three individuals who were killed, murdered in that embassy. You're the man responsible. But of course, he's not going to take responsibility. That's not, he, that's not who he is. The bug does not stop with President Obama. In the wake of the preventable murder of four Americans... At the hands of terrorists, how dare Obama even nudge the insinuation that it will not be enough to put more guards in front of an embassy? It starts with Marines in front of the embassies, you moron. It starts with Americans protecting their own at all costs and letting the world know just how high that cost will be if they dare attack. Someone put it quite succinctly a couple of weeks ago. You kill four of ours, we kill 400 of yours. That's how things are done, Mr. President. It was you, you moron, who said that if you bring if they bring a knife, you bring a gun. Uh the the the, the Capone movie uh taken from that movie. You kill four of ours, we kill 400 of yours. 
that's how we do business there. That's the only thing that those folks understand. And I can tell you that from a fact. I spent 30 years as a United States Marine, and I spent a great many of those years in Arab countries. I speak Farsi fluently. I know exactly what I'm talking about. The only thing the people over there understand is force, full force. And I'm not talking about the the R&B group either. Obama's ideals will not protect an embassy from terrorists. This moron of a president believes that he can just run his damn mouth and that the whole wide world is going to kiss his ass. That all he, that he can deliver a speech and the whole wide world is going to follow him. As if he really were the Messiah. Which brings me to the second outrageously offensive portion of Obama's speech today. And that's this incredibly naive idea that we're dealing with an ideology that can be negotiated with. Obama seems to think that understanding and tolerance are anecdotes to the pure, undulated evil responsible for the World Trade Center attack 11 years ago and the rape and murder of an American ambassador two weeks ago. Yes, I said the rape and murder of an American ambassador two weeks ago. If you can't grasp the concept of evil for the sake of evil, you can't, fig- you can't fight that evil. Sure, you can run a push-button war with drone strikes, but the moment you start touchy-feely encounter sessions with the evil, they smell fear. They smell weakness. And the result is exactly what we're seeing in the Middle East today. Chaos, dead Americans, and Al-Qaeda flags flying proudly over our embassies. Proudly. Obama is... Hell, he's worse than Neville Chamberlain. Obama is a pussy. Excuse my language, please. Please do. That's what he is. He's a candy ass. When you start thinking that all you have to do is give a speech, lots of flowery language, and it's all going to be wonderful, that crap hasn't worked yet. Like I said, you kill four of ours, we kill 400 of yours in hell, maybe even 4,000. We are the United States of America. Ass-kissing, flowery speeches are not going to get you anywhere. How many of you out there, you men out there, have encountered bullies on the playground when you were kids? How many of us, and I number myself as attempted to reason with said bully, only to be smashed in the face? Because the bully smelled what? Fear and weakness. No, the only way to deal with that bully is the way our fathers taught us to deal with him. The way my father taught me to deal with that bully who smashed me in the face and bloodied my nose was to string a bunch of books together with a belt and walk out to the playground while that guy's back is turned and smash him over the back of the head with those books and then kick him a few times while he's down on the ground. My father, my father taught me the only way you can deal with a bully is to whoop his ass. And you don't have to be all dainty about it. Well, apparently, candy-ass Barack Obama, who, oddly enough, doesn't have a single hair on his chest, based on the pictures I've seen, seems to think that all you really need to do is have a nice conversation and talk all sweet. Well, that hasn't worked out so well. Our candy-ass, wannabe, Jimmy Carter president has made an ass out of himself and the United States of America. Going around kissing folks' ass and saying it's all good simply doesn't work. 
Now, Mr. Obama has been touted as being the smartest man in the room. Wow. Are you kidding me? He can't figure out that really nice, sweet, flowery speeches are going to do, do one thing, get your ass whooped. Come on. Come on, Obama. You suck. You suck all to be damned. And you've got to go. And go you will. Well, once again, thank you folks for listening tonight. <laughs> I went buck wild. Hey, it, it happens sometimes. I do appreciate everybody listening. There's so many things you could be doing on a fine, fine Tuesday night, and you chose to come in and listen to my show, and I do appreciate it. I'm hyped up on Triple Vente White Chocolate Mocha from, yeah, Starbucks on King and Union. It's a great night. I'm headed back out there to get some more because I want to stay up late and listen to some more Blog Talk Radio. I'll be up all night long. Oh, yeah. Hey, so thank you all so much for listening. We are <laughs> I, I got to get the hell out of here. Have a great night, folks. Listen to all the shows tonight because they're going to be great. Hey, you know what? DVR your TV shows. Listen to Brock Talk Radio all night long. I am so hyped up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good night, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. We're out of here.
Joseph took her daughter out of school early one day for this. Her emotions ran high following Obama's speech. It was the most memorable time of my life. I, I, it was a tough moment because I never thought this day would ever happen. I won't have to worry about putting gas on my car. I won't have to worry about paying my mortgage. You know, if I, if I help my 